0: Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we look at one more better statement, the seventh in the book of Hebrews, as well as a pivotal and important verse. We explore what it means to despise shame and how to apply it to the life we steward. The author of Hebrews wants us to strive to look more like Jesus. There is joy set before us. We are called to pursue that joy, talk about it with one another, and ponder it often. There is, after all, a prize at the end of the race.
1: Uh, what we're going to do is delve in in Hebrews a, l- a bit to a verse that we have covered, but didn't stop and dwell on, that has... Uh, I think, some really astonishing uh, ramifications. And it's in Hebrews 12. If you want to turn with us uh, in Hebrews 12. Uh, As you're turning there and in preparation, let me just remind of the uh, basic outline of getting up to Hebrews chapter 12. You know, we've had six betters and a word mixed with faith that is in seventh better which is a better way. And the six betters are a better priest with a better sacrifice and uh, under a better covenant, a better, a better system. And that's Jesus as Melchizedek, a priest of a higher order than the Levitical priest, uh, a sacrifice of himself that, unlike the sacrifices uh, of the Levitical system, have to be offered over and over again. And unlike the sacrifice of Abel, actually uh, is once and for all. Uh, And the new covenant is a better way of living, not toppling the law because the law was good and right, but it was ineffective. And the new covenant is the law written on our hearts. So now we're living from the inside out. A new and better priesthood with a better priest. Not only is it a better priest with a better sacrifice under a better covenant for us, we also are asked to participate in this ministry. As we enter the Holy of Holies in heaven through the grace of God, and the veil that is the body of Christ. We actually enter the temple of God to find grace to help in time of need through prayer and through uh, faith of entering God in personal relationship with him and actually intercede for our own conscience and for the, um, the benefit of others. Three betters that is a better priesthood. And then the other three betters is a better king, a better leader a better captain with um, a better administration. It's going to give us a better world. Jesus came as king of the Jews. He was rejected as king of the Jews. Uh, he came to restore the kingdom of Israel in a physical and tangible way. When that was rejected, uh, his kingdom was divided. And he told Pontius Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my kingdom. My, uh, My subjects would fight for me. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this world. So we have a divided kingdom for a time. And this new king has a different approach than the earthly kings we're we're familiar with. This new king came to serve, not to be served. And he came to give his life that we might prosper. And he's established this way as a new and better way. And the administration that he wants to have of people helping him serve is us as believers. And this is a restoration of really staggering proportions. Because as we saw in Hebrews 2, uh, delving into Psalm chapter 8, Our original purpose and design was to rule and reign over the earth in perfect harmony with God, in perfect harmony with one another, in perfect harmony with all creation, with nature. That was our original purpose, even though we're made a little lower than the angels. But that's not what's happening right now, Hebrews 2 told us. We don't see that. But we do see Jesus, who for the suffering of death was crowned with glory and honor and part of this opportunity we have to join this administration is to be a part of making a better world. We make it a better world now just by serving. Serving is not going to eliminate death and it's not going to eliminate evil, but it's going to substantially make the world a better place. It's going to reduce death. It's going to reduce evil. And we're preparing ourselves through the faith, walk of faith with Jesus, to actually participate with him in the new earth in that manner. And that's the greatest reward we can have for a faithful life. So that gives us to the seventh better, which is a better way to live in this life, which is based on a word mixed with faith. If we believe that Jesus is Melchizedek in this higher priesthood. And we believe that Jesus is the king with this new administration in a new and better way. We, we believe the law written on our hearts. We follow the spirit that's leading. We enter the holy place to have our hearts are cleansed with the blood of Jesus and our conscience cleansed so we can do good works. We believe that serving and loving is a better way, and it's it's actually bringing life to the earth. And we live that by faith. No, none of this is none of this is tangibly guaranteed. It's all guaranteed through the word of God. Then we are actually following the path that Jesus blazed in Hebrews chapter eleven. Uh, this Paul gives us a significant number of Old Testament saints who believed God and were rewarded for that belief. And and the point of chapter 11 is if you believe, you'll get your reward, but not necessarily now. So then we get to chapter 12 and we begin to culminate the illustration of what it looks like to live a life of faith. Um, Let's just look at 11.1 just to get the context of 12 because 12 is going to give us the premier example of what it looks like to live with faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we got evidence that's invisible. That's why it requires faith. For by it, faith the elders obtained a good testimony. And that's what he's going to give here in chapter 11, the testimony. By faith, we understand the worlds or the ages were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen, tangible world, history, as it's happening, were not made of things which are visible. And we know from Genesis that actually these things were spoken into existence, which goes back to the word mixed with faith. And then he starts the, the uh, illustrations. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Not as good as Jesus. Through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through, though through it, he being dead still speaks by faith Enoch was taken away so he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him but for before he was taken he had this testimony he pleased God and this is the real goal of this walk mixed with faith but without faith it's impossible to please him this is how we please God doing, believing what he says and doing it for he who comes to God must believe two things one, he is now one of the major problems we have as humans is substituting what we want God to be in place of who he actually is. And a big part of what we're doing here in Hebrews is coming to know the heart of God. So the first thing you got to believe is that he is. He is who he says he is. He is who he is, not who we desire him to be. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We all pursue what we perceive to be in our self-interest. Hebrews is telling us that laying down our lives, serving others, laying aside our sinful desires, and in, instead approaching the throne of grace to find help in time of need and getting a cleansed conscience is in our best interest. And he's going and proving it here. So we get to the end of 11 and the ultimate example is Jesus. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Abel, Enoch, Moses, all these people, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now we've talked about this verse before, and let's just summarize what it says, and then we're going to really dig into what this despising the shame really means and how we might personalize that for our own life. So we're surrounded by all these great witnesses, these great examples, and the desire for Paul here is for us to do the same thing Jesus did. Remember, he's we remember from from the early part of Hebrews, he's the captain or the leader of our salvation, and this salvation is not just to be born again; it's also to live and be restored to what original design was, which is to rule and reign with God in perfect harmony with creation. And the way we get there is through this walk of faith and service. So the appropriate thing for us to do is lay aside these weights and sins. Sin, of course, is basically just doing life in a way that opposes our own best interest. That's all it is. And God is telling us, look, Tim, this is what's in your best interest. And my tendency is to say, mm, no, I've got a better way. I think maybe in a child-rearing terms, I might have made it to be about seven years old now. Uh, I think I've gotten past the three, two, three-year-old kind of uh, time frame where uh, the parent goes to the child and says, really want you to start uh, pooping on the potty, and the child is you know, no, I got a better way. well, you know, this really stinks, people don't want to be around you. it creates diaper rash, which is really painful for yourself um, and it's re- it's really just not the best way, yeah, yeah, but I have to stop playing. I have to interrupt my what I happen to be doing right now. And um, it's scary setting way up on that big high thing. Well, eventually, of course, we all get to the point where we realize, you know, this is just not going to work for me to be dumping in my pants. But um, for a while there, you just have to trust your parent that this is the right thing to do. And the parent might even uh, create little uh, sticks and carrots to help you along the way. And I think I've gotten to the point where I realize that's really not in my best interest. But I still just don't understand the full scope of it, not even close. And the Scripture tells us this is really beyond your ability to comprehend what God has in store for those who love Him, who do what He asks them to do. But He's telling us, look at Jesus. If you'll just look at Jesus and follow what He does, you'll get to the right spot. He's the author and the finisher, He's the one that made it, and he's the one that has finished it. It's already complete. If we'll just walk this path, he's already blazed the trail for us and won the battles. And we can gain all that he gained. If we follow him, he's already done it for us. Who for the joy set before him. So we're talking about running a race here. And I've never run a marathon. Have no have no uh, inclination to do so. But I can only imagine that there is a very enduring desire on the part of a marathon runner to get to that finish line. And the goal is completion. You got there. And there's, and there's people congratulating you. Perhaps you won the race. And in order to do so, you've got to lay aside hindrances to be able to accomplish that. What was it that he was after? Well, it was to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. As we've uh, discussed, man was appointed, in spite of the fact that angels are higher than us, man was appointed to rule the earth. And yet, when sin entered the world and death, that just didn't happen the way it was supposed to. Death entered the world, and so division took place. And we had violence. The earth filled with violence. But Jesus, by virtue of his perfect life, his perfect sacrifice, his new and better way, actually overcame that and now has sat down. He has been given a name that's above every name. Along the way, though, he had to endure some really horrific things. He had to despise the shame. Now... Let's look at this phrase, because if we're going to walk this path, we're going to have to do this same thing. And it's great for us to talk about what the joy set before us. It's actually, it's vital that we do so, because that's our end goal. Uh, begin with the end in mind. This is one of the habits of effective people. And this is our end. And if we're not going to reach it, uh, typically, if we don't know where we're we're uh, um, trying to gain it. But, but right now what we're doing is enduring a lot of shame. So let's look at this word despise. The Greek word, and I'll probably butcher the pronunciation here, is kataphroneo, kataphroneo. And the definition that Strong's gives is to think little or nothing of. Let me go to Matthew chapter 6, and let's just go through some of these um, usages of cataphreneo, so you can get a feel for this word, cataphreneo, despise. Matthew six twenty four. no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Do so you see the point if you have two different things you're either gonna you're either gonna care about one and not the other are you gonna care uh, a care about a if you care about a you can't also care about B you got you got to focus on one and not the other so you're either gonna give one a lot of, of attention and care a lot about that master and what that master thinks of you and what that master um, uh, what pleases that master and despise the other not care about what the other thinks or vice versa. You you can't care about what both think. It's not possible. So you can see here, not care about what it thinks. Let's go over to Matthew 18. If we go to Matthew 18 and uh, verse 10, I believe. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. He's talking about Children. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who's in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. So you've got children in the midst, and it's easy to not pay much attention or give any value to a child. After all, what can they do for you? And Jesus is saying, "Uh, uh, 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 if you have a child, somebody that can't do much for you, you really need to care a lot for them and pay a lot of attention to them because they're angels are in the presence of God. They're important. There's no such thing as little people. Uh, let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. We're talking about um, judgment, judgment of God. And it says, do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, long-suffering, not knowing the goodness of God, leads you to repentance? In other words, God is good. He's really patient, passes over all kinds of problems that we have so we can grow us up. Um, He has this tremendous patience, and he's leading us to repentance. Are you going to give that no value? Are you just going to say, yeah, I know all that, but I don't care? See, it's, it's this this idea of valuing, not giving any value to. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-two. He's talking about um, a situation here where uh, people are coming together at church for the Lord's Supper, and there was some, apparently some sort of a competition taking place, where. Um, one person was having uh, supper ahead of the other ones, and uh, some people didn't have any food, and the other ones were gorging themselves or something to that effect. And he says, what, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or you, Do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? So what he's saying there is when you eat in the presence of people that have, have little, what you're doing is just giving no value to them. So don't, you, don't you understand where they are in life? Don't you give them any credence? Don't you give them any value? You're just giving no value to that. Uh, let's look at a couple more. Let's look at 1 Timothy 4. These are all the same word, this katapherneo. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and impurity. In other words, he's talking to Timothy here, who's a pastor and a young man. I I, I don't know how old he was. I, I suspect he's probably forty or something. In the Jewish culture, I don't think he really had any respect to. He's about fifty-five, <laughs> but. Whatever it is, it was young in that culture's context, and he says, "Don't let anyone give you no value and not pay attention to you, and because just because you're young, show them by your life example that you're somebody that needs to be followed." So you, you, I think you get the the point here. Despise means it's not that that is 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 something that I hate. It's not. That's something that I can't stand. It's something I give no value to. It's something that I just don't care that much about. So let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12. And and let's, let's with this word in mind here that we have. That's this word of (coughs) despising (coughs) cataphraneo. And let's, let's just see that what it is that uh, Jesus is despising. He's despising the shame. So here we just think about the two masters comment again. We've got the two masters, and you're either going to pay a whole bunch of attention to and despise the other or vice versa. So here's Jesus, and this is just like our lives. We've got people trying to heap shame on us. Now, why do people heap shame on you? Um, Let's just talk about it for a second. Culture, by definition, our culture is the consensus around what is shameful and what is honorable. In the American culture, one of the most shameful things you can do, absolutely, completely intolerable, is cut in line. The principle of first come, first served is a something we, our culture just has absolute consensus about. If you go to a grocery store, and there's no law in the books... There's no policeman policing this. But if you go to the grocery store and you cut in line, you'll get shamed for it. And that's how the principle's enforced.
0: This teaching will continue in the following episode. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at YellowBloons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowbloons.net.